Some people loved him. Some people gave up their lives and everything that they knew just to follow him. But then, as now, there were those that opposed him. Opposed. Opposition. It sounds like a strong word. It is. It is. The dictionary says, opposed means to fight against, to counter or resist strongly, to be hostile or antagonistic to, to be against. To Jesus? To be against Jesus? To fight against him? Surely not. Not the Jesus I know and love. But yet, there were many who opposed Jesus. And not just the Jewish authorities. For a start, there were his brothers. That is, other children of Mary and Joseph. Jesus said no prophet is accepted in his own town. But what about his own family? He even faced opposition from his own family. It's quite clear (coughs) that his brothers did not believe in him. They tried to persuade him to go to Judea, where the Jews were waiting to kill him. So that, as they said, your disciples there can see the miracles that you are performing. Not quite sure, (coughs) looking at this passage, what was, was actually going on. It was quite clear that his mother was worried about him too. Maybe they just wanted him to take a break from his heavy schedule. But in Mark 3.21, it tells us that they, his brothers, thought that he was out of his mind. Whatever the reason, Jesus was having none of it, and he knew that his time had not yet come. So he was not ready to go openly to Jesus. So he sent them on without him. And after they're gone, he did go, but not publicly. He went in secret. Of course, the Jews were watching for him, and everyone was talking about him. Some saying he was a good man, and others saying that he deceived people, but all in whispers. No one dared speak openly about him in case the Jews heard them. It wasn't safe to talk about Jesus. Opinion has always been divided about who Jesus really is. And this is what C.S. Lewis had to say in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying <coughs> the really foolish thing people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him. 
and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. And yet people say, he's not God, but a great moral teacher. A mere man who says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. And who says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Not God. Only God can raise us up on the last day. Only God can give us new life to be born again. So Jesus followed his brothers and everybody else who had gone to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. But it was not until about halfway through the feast, when the crowds, incidentally, would have been at their maximum, that Jesus went up to the temple courts and made himself known, and he began to preach. Everyone was amazed at his knowledge and his wisdom, knowing that he had never studied but Jesus told them that the knowledge was not his own, but was from God. More of the people recognised him. Hey, isn't that the man they're trying to kill? And yet here he is speaking, speaking publicly, and the authorities are not saying a word. Do they really think he's the Christ? Nah, it can't be. We know where he's from, and nobody knows where the Christ will come from. But Jesus cried out, yes, you know me. And you know where I come from. But I am not here on my own authority. I come from God. And I know him. But you don't. When he said this, they tried to seize him. But they couldn't. They couldn't lay a finger on him. It's interesting, isn't it? That they were looking for him because they wanted to kill him. And when they had the opportunity to seize him, they couldn't. Not because they didn't want to, they did. But they couldn't. His time had not yet come. God's timing is perfect and non-negotiable. Many more people were beginning to believe in him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent, sent some of the temple guards to arrest him. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus shared some of the most well-known and loved words in the New Testament. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. The promise of the Holy Spirit. The people were divided, just like today. Some were convinced and believed in him. Others did not. And again, they tried to seize him. And again, they couldn't. Even the temple guards were amazed. In fact, they were so amazed that they didn't know what to do. And even though they had been sent to arrest him, they went back to the Jewish authorities without him. Of course, these authorities wanted to know why the guards hadn't brought Jesus in. I can just picture the scene. 
The Pharisees banging the table and demanding to know where Jesus was and the guards mumbling like idiots. No, nobody ever spoke like this man does. What? Are you kidding me? I find that amazing. Temple guards sent with the sole mission of arresting Jesus. And they couldn't. People tried to grab him on two other separate occasions, but no one could lay a finger on him. I imagine the Jewish authorities were furious. They thought that the guards and the people were weak-minded idiots. They knew nothing about the law. That was their job. They knew all about the law. What they didn't know is that Jesus came to fulfill the law. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. They knew all about the law, but he is the law. The new testament, the new covenant, the word of God. One of their own number. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, spoke up. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to see what he says? But they wouldn't listen to him. They opposed him. Opposition. So who opposed Jesus? His brothers? They thought he was mad and they didn't believe in him. Some of the people, it says elsewhere, that they thought he was just a carpenter. A man no different to ordinary working folks. Who does he think he is? Also the chief priests and the Pharisees, full of their own self-importance and not willing to listen to what Jesus had to say. Opposition from Satan, demons and death. They all opposed him and he overcame them all. But actually the whole world opposed him. Because he was not of this world. As these scriptures show us. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And John 18, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's amazing the things when you, that you, you find out that suddenly strike a chord when you're, you're planning a, a talk like this. Although I've read it many, many times before, it surprised me to see that Jesus said in another place, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. Not praying for the world, because the world opposed him. And he tells us, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Not just a moral teacher, the Son of God. Opposition, 
on every side. But those who listened to him from every walk of life had faith in him and believed in him. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, the guards sent to arrest him, a common people in the street. But then and now there was and is opposition as well as acceptance. Many people over the years, looking back in history, seem to have dominated human history. They've had a major impact on humanity. Some for the good and some not for the good. And just by way of using a visual aid, I have a sketchbook here with some of them in it, which you may recognise. Anybody recognise that guy? Albert Einstein. And then we have, I just flick through here. This is a, quite a good one. Mother Teresa. We've got lots. I've got in here, I've got President Gorbachev. I've got Sitting Bull. I've got Her Majesty the Queen. I've got Adolf Hitler. Julius Caesar, Winston Churchill, Will Shakespeare. All of these people. We're just going to find a face at random. Okay? So I'm just going to ask somebody. I'm going to flick through it. As you can see, it's split into three, split into three bits. We've got the top of the head, the eyes, and then the mouth. So I'm just going to flick through here and someone is going to tell me to stop and we'll see which face you can make. Hannah, will you tell me when to stop? There, you sure? Okay. Would you like to tell me about where to stop? Stop there? Okay. One more, Chris. Let's see if you can tell me where to stop. Quite at random, <laughs> we have a representation of Jesus. Because we don't really look, know exactly what he looks like, but it represents him. One single human being, despite all opposition from religious leaders, local government, Occupying forces, the world, the devil, and death. He turned all of those things upside down. From death to life. He turned all of those things completely upside down. You may have heard this before, but I'm going to read it again. He was a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home, he never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never had a family. He never went to college, he never put his foot inside a big city, he never travelled 200 miles from the place he was born, he never did any of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. 
While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them betrayed him. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he had on earth. His coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed tomb through the pity of a friend. Twenty long centuries have come and gone. And today, he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. Jesus faced opposition. And if we are his followers, you can rest assured that we also will face opposition. But we do so in the knowledge that our master has overcome. So, so can we. As I come to a close now, I'd like to share with you what's one of my favourite poems. And it's by Amy Carmichael. And it's called No Scar. Bearing in mind the opposition that Jesus faced and bearing in mind that we surely will face opposition. Hast thou no scar? No hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned me against a tree to die, and rent by ravenous beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar. Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole. Can he have followed far, who has no wound, no scar. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are amazed at the opposition that you faced and still face today from the whole world. And we are a little bit daunted that just as you faced opposition, so we as your followers also face opposition when we step out for you. Help us to be strong. Not in ourselves, but in the power of your Holy Spirit. You warned us that when you said, in this world, you will have trouble. You warned us. But let us never forget your encouragement to take heart, because you have overcome the world. Strengthen us and guide us to live our lives for you and in you and to shine your light in this fallen world. Amen.